0: Alright, go ahead and open up to John chapter 10. So, um, kind of for the last couple of years, um, last year at this point we were in John and just by God's graciousness it it works out to where the passage is absolutely fitting for Easter. And this year is really no different. Um, and, and a lot of Like study Bibles and and commentators and stuff will bunch um, John chapter 10 verses 1 through 21 together as the Good Shepherd. And we're actually going to break that into two parts. So this week we're going to look at the first part of the Good Shepherd which is actually the Caring Shepherd. And and then next week we will finish out the Good Shepherd on Easter Sunday. um, Which I just believe is totally fitting. So... We are in John chapter 10 today, and before I start, I'm going to pray for us, and we will dive in, okay? Father, we come to this point now, God, where we open your word together. We're just asking that you would speak through your spirit. God, that as we work through this text, we will hear from you. We come trusting that you have prepared us, prepared our hearts for this message. The caring shepherd. And what a beautiful thought that is that you're not only our shepherd. You're a caring shepherd. And so we ask that you would speak through your word. Every one of us in here are going through different things in our lives, but nonetheless, you are there. You will never leave. You never stop loving us, no matter what we do. Your grace exceeds our sinfulness. And for those, Father, who are here that have never surrendered their lives to you. God, I know that they might not understand what I'm saying right now. So I'm asking that through your word, you would move in their hearts so that they might see the glorious truth that Christ saves sinners. We want to lift high the name of Jesus. He is our King. He is our Shepherd. He is our Savior. So Spirit, speak through your word this morning. Encourage us. bring us face to face with the sin that may be in our lives. We know that your word is powerful, it is glorious, and for every one of us it is desperately needed. So we do ask, Father, your blessing on the reading of your word and the preaching of your word. That it may glorify you and lead us to joy. It's in Christ's wonderful name that we pray. Amen. When you look at scripture, one of the key images that we see um, towards God caring for his people is God doing so as a shepherd. You have that picture of a shepherd it's not hard to find uh, a text that that pushes us this way and um, if you remember a year or so ago we preached through Psalm 23 and um, here lately I've been leading our teenagers through Psalm 23 and so I just want to read Psalm 23 again to us as we talk about God as our shepherd and today specifically our caring shepherd So Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see the care of God as a shepherd all throughout those verses. He leads us, he guides us, he prompts us to rest. He leads us to food, to safety. And all throughout history, God has promised to provide shepherds for his people. Now, unfortunately, all throughout history, those shepherds have failed. But the good news is, is that God will not, the good shepherd will not fail. In studying this week, I come across a passage that, to be completely honest, I, I don't remember ever reading before. But I want to read it to you now to provide a little context of how these under shepherds have failed throughout history. Ezekiel chapter 34, starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them, so they were scattered, because there, were, there was no shepherd and they, and they became food for the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all of the mountains. And on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth. With none to search or seek for them. Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. As I live declares the Lord God. Surely because my sheep have become a prey. And my sheep. Have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep. But the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God. Behold I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand. And put a stop to their feeding the sheep no longer shall the shepherds feed themselves i will rescue my sheep from their mouths and they may not be food for them so you get a picture there of the judgment of god towards these shepherds who were set apart by him to care for the people to to lead the people to love the people to provide for the people and they failed They become so ingrained with themselves and so overcome with themselves that all they cared about was themselves. They weren't feeding the sheep. They weren't taking care of the sheep. They weren't nurturing the sheep. They weren't protecting them. It was all about them. They could care less about the flock. But the good shepherd, Christ, will not do that. Just as we saw last week where Jesus heals the blind man and he gets cast out of the church. And Jesus hears about it and he seeks him out. So will Jesus seek us out. He seeks his sheep. He cares for his sheep. Back in John chapter 6 verse 37 we read, And all that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. People will fail us, leadership will fail us, our jobs will fail us, our families will fail us. All of these things will crumble around us, but Jesus, the good shepherd, he cares for his people and he will never fail. Today, as we move into John chapter 10, looking at the caring shepherd, here's the main idea That Jesus, the good shepherd, draws in and defends God's people. And he does that as a caring shepherd. So the question is, from these verses that we're going to look at this morning, verses 1 through 10, how then does he care for his sheep? How is Jesus a good and caring shepherd? The first way that Jesus cares for his sheep is that Jesus draws his sheep. Look at verses 1 and 2 with me. Chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The first thing we notice here is really the emphatic way he's saying this. Truly, truly. Truly, or amen, amen. He's gaining their attention, he's drawing them in. And then he mentions the sheepfold. The sheepfold would have been this round structure built out of stone, and there would have been one way in, one way out. And it would have had a gate that would have been secured and would have been overlooked by the gatekeeper. Who was a hired hand, but who knew the shepherds well and who cared for the sheep just as much as their shepherds did. And what would happen is they would huddle these sheep into these sheep folds, these pins and thieves and robbers and Predators would try to sneak in over the wall and they would try to come in through other ways because they knew the gatekeeper would not let them in. So they would try to sneak in in other ways to access the sheep, to cause harm to the sheep, to destroy the sheep. And You really get a glimpse here of. The kingdom of God as well, there is only one way, and that's through. The shepherd of the sheep, Jesus. Then he goes on to verse 3. He says, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When we think of a shepherd, probably what we think of is what we have seen where you have a shepherd with a sheep dog and the dog herds them and moves them around. But in, in this culture, in the Middle Eastern way of shepherding, that's not how they would do things. So what was absolutely beautiful about understanding what's taking place here is these sheepfold would have been a, a large structure. So we probably think a small circle, but it would actually have been very large. And at any given time through the night, it would actually have multiple flocks of sheep inside. The shepherds would stay inside of the sheepfold, the sheep pen, with his sheep, their sheep. And in the morning, what would happen is the shepherds would be would exit by the way of the gate and only the gatekeeper would open the door to the shepherds and they would exit out and they would begin to call their sheep. And what you have is this massive amount of sheep. And and if you know anything about sheep, they're not very intelligent, but yet they would hear. And so if the gate is open, they they start pouring out. And just imagine if you have a shepherd there, a shepherd there, and a shepherd there, these sheep would automatically go to where the voice of their shepherd was at. So, you see this beautiful, intimate picture of a shepherd and a sheep. They know him. They hear his voice. They trust his voice. They know that he cares for them. And that gate in and out is the only legit entrance. And you see this picture of the sheep exiting out of the sheepfold and they're going to their shepherd. Verse 3 again to him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out we just read in John 6 that he the sheep hear his voice and he knows them he knows you he knows me and as i said in my prayer earlier there however many of us are in here there are that many different things going on in our lives Everybody's struggling with something different. Everybody is facing a different battle. But the caring shepherd knows you. He knows you by name. Looking on to verse 4 and 5. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So hopefully you have a picture painted in your mind now of what the sheepfold looks like, and the shepherds, as they're calling their sheep out, and the sheep are coming to them. And again, as opposed to what we think of as shepherding in our day, where they herd and they, they drive the sheep, here the shepherd would actually go out in front of them, and the sheep would follow Again, this is just a picture of the the relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. He's not forcing them to do anything, but he leads them. And out of gratitude and out of love and out of trust, they follow. He knows his sheep and his sheep know him. And because of that relationship, because of that intimacy, the sheep have given themselves to the care of the shepherd. Again, he calls them by name. He's drawing them to himself. And then he leads them. Why? Because the good shepherd cares for his sheep. And this imagery of the shepherd leading is this beautiful reminder for us. As God's people that he leads. He initiates. So. He leaves the sheepfold to call them out. He leads them. And we just read Psalm 23 where He leads, He provides, He protects, He cares. It's God doing this for us, for His people. The thing about sheep is they're helpless without a shepherd. They're pretty stupid animals. If they walk up to a cliff without a shepherd, they're going to walk over the cliff. If they walk up to a stream of water, they'll probably walk into the stream of water and drown. If they walk up to a stream of water knowing it's the only source of water to drink and they're not led to just drink it, they probably won't drink it and they'll thirst to death. They, they're they not very bright, but they trust and they trust well. And just as sheep are helpless without a shepherd, we as people are hopeless without Christ, the good shepherd. We try to do things our own way. We try to lead our lives in our own manner. Like the old poem, I'm the master of... Oh, I've lost it. am the master of my own universe. I'm the captain of my something like that. Yeah, you know, understand what I'm trying to say. That's That's the mentality that we take, right? That we're in control and we're going to do things by our terms, our way. But that's not what it's like. Because if we try to go our own way, we are taking the place of these not very intelligent sheep. And we will walk directly off a cliff. We need the shepherd. We need Christ desperately. And the thing about sheep is they're not following in order to become part of a flock. But they are following because they are already part of the flock. Again, versus and five, and when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and they follow him, for they know his voice. But listen to verse five a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. They trust their shepherd, they're not going to follow a false shepherd. They have given themselves to the care of one shepherd. Again, in our lives, we try to do this Christianity thing on our own terms and it just doesn't work that way. We don't just do a bunch of works thinking that in the end it will all pan out and God will look at us and smile and let us in anyway. It doesn't work that way. You either trust Jesus or you do not. You either live for Jesus or you do not. There is no lukewarm. You are either hot or you are cold. And so the question for us really is is, are you trying to follow Jesus in hopes to becoming part of God's flock? So basically, are you trying to work your way into acceptance into God's kingdom? Are you trying to appease your way to God so that He might save you? Well, I'm telling you you can't. It's not possible. Later on in John in chapter 14, it says, I, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. The sheepfold has one gate, and that gate is Christ Jesus. And so you should trust him with your life, and you should follow him as the good shepherd. And maybe you're saying, but why? Because he cares. He loves you. Look at verse 6. This figure of speech Jesus used with them. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Again he's talking to the religious leaders. These um, Jewish leaders who were after him. Because he had just healed a man. And was claiming that he was the Messiah. Notice they didn't understand. Now. Again, context, these would have been people who were more familiar with the word than anyone else. They were trained to know the word. They would have understood and memorized the word at a very young age. And yet here they're listening to God himself in front of them and they don't understand. Why is that? Because they weren't part of his flock. The, the reality is, is we can't understand God's ways without the Holy Spirit leading us. You want to know why reading your Bible doesn't make a lick of sense before you're a Christian is because it about doesn't make sense until the Holy Spirit illuminates our lives. I told you a couple weeks ago, the gospel really doesn't make a lot of sense outside of the work of God moving in us, right? It doesn't make sense that God would come and that God would give himself away, that he would give up his riches and he would give up his power To be made low to the point of death. But as the Holy Spirit begins to move in our lives, it makes perfect sense. It's perfect righteousness, it's perfect justice, it's a glorious redemption. But we simply can't understand God's ways without the Holy Spirit leading us. But Jesus is a caring shepherd. He's a caring shepherd that draws his sheep. And he's also a caring shepherd that defends his sheep. Look at verses 7 and 8 with me. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. See, not only is Jesus the good shepherd, but he's saying now he's the door to the sheep. So he's the shepherd and he's the door, which is, again, this imagery that he is the protector and he is the defender defender of his sheep. No one gets through that gate unless the gatekeeper lets them in. Jesus is protecting, no enemies can come, no false shepherds can come in. There is no one that can come and take you away from the strong hand of Christ. The thieves and robbers try to come in and they try to manipulate, but they can't do it. They try to sneak in from other ways, but the good shepherd continuously protects his sheep. Now, this doesn't mean you won't face harm. But what it does mean is that the good shepherd will protect you from letting any spiritual harm happen. You might lose your life. You might lose your body. You might be beaten and you might be imprisoned and you might be persecuted. But no one can take the gift of salvation that Christ has given you. Nothing will hinder that. The good shepherd cares for his sheep, and he defends his sheep. In verse nine we read this that I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now I think this is pretty awesome because when we typically think of protection, we think of fortress. That's the point of the sheepfold, right? They would sleep in the sheepfold with multiple shepherds, multiple flocks, with a gatekeeper to protect the flock. But what he's saying here is that in order to be protected, the protection does not lead us to stay, but it leads us to follow. It leads us to go again. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And not stay in, he says, and he will go out and in and find pasture The shepherd is always there. He's protecting the sheep from predators. And he's not doing it by simply locking them down. See, trusting Jesus as the good shepherd, we are saved and we are saved. Are secure again back to John 6 verses 37 through 39. All that the father gives me. This is Jesus talking. All that the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will what? Never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. But the will of him who sent me. And check this. And this is the will of him who sent me. That I should lose nothing. Nothing. Of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. We're eternally secured in the arms of Christ. Other shepherds will fail, the good shepherd will not. So it doesn't matter what you are facing or what you will face, the good shepherd never fails. No spiritual harm can be done to you, no one can take. Your salvation in your life. As Christians, we receive this promise and we receive the gift of salvation not to stay in the sheepfold, but to go in and out to find green pastures. Again, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want to to point something out really quick about Psalm 23. Notice the the use of the personal writing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down, He leads me. This really goes against their cultural way of discussing and writing and talking about God. They would do it as um, a, a group thing. The Lord is our shepherd. But he turns the tide and he's, he's reading this on such a personal level. And the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And the language there is absolutely beautiful because you get this picture. That we don't want to rest. And we don't want to eat. We want to be stubborn and we want to do things our way. But he knows what's best for us. So he makes me lie down and he leads me by side still Waters And you get this beautiful picture of just calming, rest, and Sabbath. And immediately after this, it says, he restores my soul. It's the shepherd doing this. It is the shepherd leading. It is the shepherd guiding. His guard is never let down. That's why later on he says, and even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. In Romans 8 we get this promise that, that it's the work of Christ that saves and then immediately following. Now what, can, what shall separate us from Christ Jesus? And he goes through this big long list of all of these things and he says no in verse 37. In all of these things we are not beat down but we are conquerors. Why? Because he loves us. Likewise the shepherd loves us. He leads us. He leads us to rest. He leads us to nourishment. He leads us to life. Why? Because He cares. Look at verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The shepherd's leading doesn't mean that we will not face trials. I can assure you, if you are a child of God, you will face trials. But He's there. He's always there. And He gives life. And not only does it say He gives life, but it says He would give abundant life. Now, I could spend the next however long ripping apart the prosperity gospel, but I don't think I have to do that here. Because what abundant life here means is not receiving a bunch of material blessings. See, as Christians, we are saved from sin, yes, but we're also saved to Christ, which means we are set apart by God to live by His grace and for His glory. You breathe because he is gracious enough to have you breathing. You have a home because he is gracious enough to allow that. But if all of those things are taken away at the end of the day, where is our relationship? Are we still trusting in Christ? If we can say yes, then we understand abundant life. I was talking to a friend of mine a while back who um, had been a part of a prosperity gospel driven church and He had people that were near and dear to him who bought full sail into that type of thinking. um, Until tragedy struck their family and they lost a family member. And then they all really, in essence, lost their faith. Because their faith were in the things. Their faith was in what God could bless me with instead of God himself. If you're after anything here other than just simply receiving Christ, then you're out for the wrong things. Abundant life is about being completely trusting of us, the Savior. John Piper says that God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in Him. You've heard me say that a time or two, I'm sure. And the Westminster Catechism says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. See, the Christian life is meant to be one of absolute joy when lived in complete surrender. That goes against our nature. It goes against what we want to believe. It goes against what we want to think. But that's the truth. When we completely surrender to Christ, then we will live in absolute joy. Am I trusting him with my life? Am I trusting him with my family? Am I trusting him with my job, my career, everything? Am I trusting him or am I just simply adding him as a tag along and I'm still doing everything myself and I'm still achieving everything for my own glory, for my own good? Or am I trusting in Jesus? And we need to be careful how we answer that. Because if you're here and you're living for anyone or anything other than Jesus. Then your life will be devoid of true joy. You may have some false sense of joy that hangs around for a little bit. But that joy will fall away. Because it's not true joy. And it's easy to say, but I'm not living for anything or anyone else more than I am Jesus. Well, where is our time spent? What are we devoting ourselves to? What is consuming our thoughts and our schedules and our bank accounts? Where am I focused? See, seeking joy in anything other, in any of these other areas, is a well that will quickly run dry. But following the Good Shepherd results in abundant life in Jesus as an ever flowing fountain of joy. You want true joy? Trust in Jesus. So I encourage you to find rest in Him. To find hope in Him. To trust Him as the good shepherd. Not because He is a shepherd who leads and He beats you into submission, but because He is a shepherd who loves you and He cares for you deeply. Again, Jesus, the good shepherd, draws in and he defends God's people because he cares. Let's pray. Father, this morning we ask that you would remind us of how much you trust, how much we should trust in you. How much we should be surrendered to you. You are so good to us. And as the psalmist writes, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. I know, God, sometimes we get caught up in our selfishness and our own ways that we forget that you care. Let us be reminded today that you care. And I'm sure, God, that there are those in here who have never trusted you as the good shepherd, who have never surrendered their life to following you. So I'm asking that you would just move in their hearts that they would confess to you their need for you. That they would repent and turn from their sins and find rest and hope in the arms of Christ. And yet for the many of us here, God, who... Have trusted in you. But we just seem to be struggling. With not keeping our focus on you. Renew our strength. Renew our faith in you. Let us remember. The refreshing nature. Of the joy that comes from you. And being surrendered to you. We love you because you have first loved us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.